Why can't everybody just be cool? They don't know how to do it. Hi, Jeff. Speaking of not being cool, hello. Hello, uncool Jeff. Yeah. I thought you were about to say hi, Jaffy, but then you stopped early. Mm. Uh, ah. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, which Jeff is this? I wasn't paying attention. It's the Gerstman. Oh, Jeff Gerstman. Hey. 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 Hi. Hi. The Gerstman. This is episode 195 of the Insert Credit Program, a show where we have to talk about video games for an hour every week, even if we don't want to. In each episode, we assemble a panel of video game experts to confront a series of topics in no more than six minutes each, under penalty of a horrible buzzer. I'm Alex Jaffe, and a video game dog that I had absolutely no problem killing was the Shade Wolf from Mir after the horrible thing it did. Wow. Um, I'm Frank Zafaldi, and a video game dog I had no problem killing. Okay, you can't actually kill the dog in uh, Dog's Life on the PS2, but I would voluntarily murder that dog. <laughs> it's a bad dog. It's a weird dog. The dog poops in the grocery store and then picks up the poop and throws it. I mean, I think that's... That's a good dog, if you ask me. That's what a dog should be doing. Hecking stuff up. Yeah, it's natural dog behavior, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So first of all, I felt bad having to kill that near wolf because all, all its territory had been gotten rid of and it was just trying to take it back and stuff. So I I've I sipped that, that wolf. But anyway. Wait, who are you? Who are you? Oh, I'm Brandon Sheffield. Hi. Forgot about myself for a second there. Yeah, I'm Brandon Sheffield, and I think the only dog that I can think of killing, I'm probably stealing um, Jess here, maybe, but is the is the old zombie dogs from Resident Evil, because um, they'll kill you, and they're not cute, and they'll jump through a, a window and surprise you. I think that's the one for me. Cute dogs only. Those are all, those are all great reasons. Great reasons to kill a dog. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, we're not sure who this Jeff guy is, so I might as well introduce him now. Our guest this week is co-founder of Giant Bomb and the inventor of ethics and game journalism, Jeff Gerstman. Oh, great! Yeah, <laughs> that's not a that's not a loaded topic at all. Uh, my the the dog I most like to kill is actually it's, it's sadly unkillable, but it's the it's the dogs in Revenge of Shinobi. When you attack them, they just turn into smaller dogs and run away. Like the developers had that moment of just like we can't let them kill the dogs and. As a result, it was fun to watch them turn into little puppies. You're like, you're knocking half a dog out of them, and then they run away, and you're like, yay! By making the dogs younger, you're essentially giving them more life. So I would say yeah, it's new the life. opposite yeah. of the kill. Well, okay, I guess on a on a technicality, then it's I, I would how about I would have loved to have killed the dog in Duck Hunt. Okay, we'll mm. we'll take that one. All right, good old regular standby. Yeah, default dog. That's right. <laughs> dog. Oh, video game dog. Okay, can I pet it? No, great. Before we started the show, I went over the rules with uh, Jeff Gersman, as I am wont to do. But the one thing I left out was that as you go through this episode, I am going to be secretly keeping a tally of how well everyone is doing. And by the end of the episode, I will declare a winner at who did the best at the episode. And Ooh. the reward for winning the episode is that you get to write a question for next week's episode. That's right. The uh, reward for doing well is homework. Our winner from last week is Femicom's Rachel Weil, and uh, Rachel asks, what are your favorite hidden gem video game reviews? 
hidden gem meaning, for example, someone with a niche following on a niche topic, like less than a thousand views on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Niche reviews specifically? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Hmm. For me, it's definitely Kimimi, who has uh, hmm. Kimimi the gay meeting she monster.com. Dang, that's a, a good answer. It's a very long website, but her reviews are just, it's like exactly what I want, me personally. I don't know if it's what anybody else wants, but it's like that PC 98 game that I'd always heard about, but knew I'd never get around to playing. She will review it. Why is Mizerna Falls particularly interesting without me having to play it? She will review it. She's just always going for the obscure, usually Japanese games from the perspective of an English speaker who can read Japanese fluently enough to tell me if the story is good also. It's it's my before going to sleep reading, usually, because I like to wind down with some, some video game content after a long day of thinking about and making video games. Just why not squeeze a little more in there? Of course. She's she's my favorite, so that's that's my answer for now. I'm going to say, uh, I don't know if this counts as obscure anymore. Well, maybe as time goes on, it gets more and more obscure. But uh, I, I was always a big Old Man Murray fan. Um, <laughs> and I think the the work that Eric and Chet did there, but like specifically because you said video game reviews and not reviewers, we had Eric Wolpaw review Final Fight 1 for the Game Boy Advance. Ooh. And um, it was after Final Fight Stratego had come out there their Final Fight-themed strategy game that they put on Old Man Murray. So we naturally felt that that would be the best, he would be the best choice to talk about Final Fight some more. And it's 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 like exactly what I was hoping to get when when we thought, oh man, we should get Eric to review this. It is it is just Eric Wolpaw being Eric Wolpaw about Final Fight. And that's some of my favorite stuff. Uh, good stuff. That sounds good. Um, the one that comes to mind for me, I don't know, I, I don't, consume all that much video game content to be honest but uh smart smart thank you thank you uh it's 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 why i'm alive today um <laughs> but the one that comes to mind for me is crontendo so uh well i guess his name is dr sparkle excuse me um dr sparkle who runs a youtube channel called crontendo has been playing every famicom game in chronological order and um he does sort of review them and and i appreciate his perspective as uh Someone who is sort of a cranky old man at this point, um, but also is playing these games from the perspective of like, is there literally any reason to play this game? Uh, and he'll he will list a couple reasonable reasons why um, in his reviews. And and I just don't I don't think people in general talk about older games from that perspective. And I wish they would. Where it's like, is there anything we should be looking at here uh, as opposed to you know just remembering the cool old stuff? So. I appreciate him for that. I think also uh, Topher Florence. Topher's kind of right on the edge of maybe not being that obscure, but uh, Topher's reviews of things where it's just him playing Sonic or Super Tempo or like... Um, the Doug game for Game Boy Color. He didn't play Super Tempo. A Tri-Rush Debbie. <laughs> yeah. um, just for like hours while pontificating about life and things. Uh, that That stuff is excellent. Oh, but that reminds me also... Uh, maybe I've mentioned this in the past, but um, friend of insert credit Tombo did a a review simultaneously of the Vin Diesel's The Wheelman and Barcelona across the years, and it, it it's like Barcelona is seen through Vin Diesel's The Wheelman. And oh, that's good. <laughs> it's a uh, it's extremely good, and you should you should watch it if you can you can find it. Um, I think just by looking that up, Barcelona and and Vin Diesel's The Wheelman, you'll probably find it. 
Man, yeah. the show notes for this episode are already going to be wild. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, I have a sick, like, I have a, like, obsession's not the right word because it's not quite that extreme, but I just, the Wheelman is one of those games of just, that, that comes up more often than it probably should, and it's just, it's, it's, feels like one of those last examples of that mid-tier kind of B-game thing that, that faded away as, as devs, as the triple A became tripler A or, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And, yeah, that's, I always threaten myself to go back and and like play the wheel man again. But as as of yet, I have not pulled the trigger on it. But someday, someday, Vin. Watching this review on YouTube is going to make you want to get back in there. I'm pretty sure. OK, all right. I'm going to I'm going to do that. Yeah. Vin oh, yeah. Beagle's the wheel man, John Woo's stranglehold. And that's about it. Yeah. I just found a bunch of stranglehold themed poker chips and playing cards in my garage the other day. Oh, so, hell yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. All the all the quality late midway games are represented. <laughs> you you can retire off of that if you throw it in the next heritage auction. You're good. Oh yeah, no, man. Exactly. Oh, we're about to get into that. Believe okay. me, all we're right. about to get into that. <laughs> I'd love to see what weird stuff you found in your in your garage. And maybe we can talk about that during the break. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think uh Jeff's garage will be a good uh bonus feature. Uh yeah. Frank. You yeah. just got back after a two-week absence. We missed you terribly. Yeah, can't say I feel the same, but okay. <laughs> what do you have to report on your request to save video games? Yeah, what'd you do? Oh, man. God, so literally right after the conclusion of this podcast, I'm going to record a podcast literally about this. So uh, I guess this is the warm-up. Okay. So yeah, I was, I was gone because uh, Kelsey Lewin and I were the co-directors of the Video Game History Foundation. Hopefully you people know this by now and I don't have to keep saying it. I've heard about it. We went out to Chicago to sort of do a, a little tour of uh, semi-retired people with basements, essentially, mm. who were in the video, video game industry. Jeff likes. I've, well, I've seen that horror movie. <laughs> Yeah, the, the, the basements are bigger than Jeff's uh, yeah, garage. They've, they've got much more impressive setups than anything I'll ever have yeah. out here on the West Coast. So what do I have to report? Um, basements rule. Okay. Uh, <laughs> not moving is pretty cool, too. Being retired seems nice. But no, seriously, like we discovered quite a few things that were literally just hidden in basements for decades that, that uh, even their owners didn't know about that were uh, of historical interest. I dumped four new unreleased NES games that aren't out there already. That's wow. kind of a huge deal for the work I do. How about I talk about the most interesting one? Let's just talk about that. Um, yeah, do it. So in the basement of um, Ed Semrad, who I think Jeff probably knows the name, at least. Yeah, yeah I've, I've stood near Ed Semrad before, but I don't think we've ever spoken. Yeah, he's he's not a talker. Not me, though. <laughs> I don't know. His name. He hasn't really talked to people since uh, he left DGM during yeah. the, the sale uh, in 97 to Ziff. But um, right. he, he and his wife were gracious enough to invite us over and actually be entertained as Kelsey and I rummaged through the basement for nine hours. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, one of the games that he had held on to for the NES was called Super Sushi Pinball. I love it. Yeah, good name. I right? want to play it right now. Yeah. This is uh, a game by ImageSoft. CSG ImageSoft was the publisher. Um, and in fact, it was one of the first games that they announced. They announced three at the same time. Uh, only one of them shipped. It was uh, Super Rescue, Super Sushi Pinball, and Super Dodgeball. Um, so Super Sushi Pinball is based on a Famicom game that's just called Super Pinball. There is literally no sushi theming Dang. in this game. When you turn on the NES version, it starts with a brand new intro that's not in the Famicom game. And it's the Statue of Liberty 
making you a piece of uh, tuna tuna nigiri, Ooh, slapping man. it down on a table for you. Thank you, Statue of Liberty. Yeah, if you if you can't trust the Statue of Liberty to make a good piece of sushi for you, then who can you trust? Yeah, exactly. And immediately after that, there is this very slow text scroll uh, from the bottom of the screen, white on black, goes on forever, and it's like the history of sushi. Sushi was invented in Japan because they put rice on the fish to keep it preserved. It just keeps going on. And it's like sushi's getting popular in America because it's low calorie food and people like to be healthy. Here's some sushi terms you should know. Soy sauce, egg. In this pinball game. <laughs> right, right. What? And then at the end of the text scroll, it actually says like, there's no sushi theming in the pinball game you're about to play, but we just thought you'd like to know some facts about sushi. And then it goes to the title screen, Super Sushi Pinball, and you press start and you play a pinball game about cars. So did they want to like compete with Encarta or something? I mean, like what's the know. what's the angle? They want we got pinball and facts. I have no idea. But they did add a little bit of sushi to the game, to be fair to the game. Um in the original you know, to sort of finish the table as, as you often do in video pinball games, mm -hmm. uh, you, you unlock enough things. And in the original, they're, they're mahjong tiles that you collect. And this one, you collect pieces of sushi that come up. And the ending of the game, which is, again, is new to this version, not the, the Famicom game, you see a woman in various states of undress, because of course you do. Yeah, it's pinball. But in the NES one, uh, there's only one ending. There's, there's no states to it. And it's like, congratulations, you found the hidden piece of sushi. Now I'm going to teach you how to use chopsticks. And it's just an ending that like visually teaches you how to use chopsticks. And that's that's the ending of Super Sushi Pinball. Oh. It almost strikes me like maybe they thought they were going to get some deal with the Japanese Ministry of Tourism or something like that. <laughs> like maybe, yeah. Some license or some deal they were going to be able to get through doing this because it, it's it's so nonsensical unless it, it makes was just no like. Some dad's kid was like, I want to get sushi, dad. And the dad is like, what is that? Sounds interesting. Let's put What's it in this all about sushi. Yeah. <laughs> if you ask I me. I wish something would tell me about yeah. this new trend. I think the concept sounds a little undercooked. We'll right <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> so I think, oh. I think only Olaf Olafsson would, uh, yeah. would have the answer for us. <laughs> He's running ImageSoft. So someone find right. him. I would also like one of our listeners to make fake box art for Sushi Pinball. Okay. I have it. Yeah. I have the real box art. Oh, so good. Good. Never mind then. We got it. No, let's do both. <laughs> Here's our next question. Now that you're back, Frank, we have to address the current state of the speculator market. We've been holding back on it. My dad oh, is sending me articles about it. What yeah. exactly is going on here? Is it tax fraud or money laundering or what? I can only give you my theory. Yeah. That is completely unsubstantiated. Kelsey Lewin shares this theory as well. As you might imagine, spending a week together, we just talk about stuff like this. So we both believe that uh, a group of collectors, we don't know how many, two or more, made a point maybe a couple of years ago of identifying this game, Mario 64, and buying every shrink-wrapped copy that came up, and then putting one in Heritage once they'd had a good stockpile and bidding against each other until it was a million-dollar game. Um, and now they have a stockpile of million dollar games. That is our theory. That was my guess as well. That is mm -hmm. a good theory because, uh, I brought him up on the show before, but my dentist, Eric, yes. he went to a barcade once and he yes. was talking about Mike Trout baseball cards. 
And now this one guy made a fortune off buying all of the Mike Trout baseball cards mm -hmm. and then cornering the market on it and how he was interested in doing that with, I believe, Cheetah Man 2. Oh, you know that? Okay. The Mike Trout of video games. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to advise people not to do that um, yeah. <laughs> with Cheetah Man 2. <laughs> yeah. Because, uh, so Cheetah Man 2 is an NES game that technically was never available, but was manufactured and copies just kind of made their way out eventually. A friend of mine, Adam, was offered in the late 90s before any had, had really leaked out to buy the entire quantity of, of I believe, 20,000 of them for a dollar each, um, which he unfortunately had to pass on. But there there is a stockpile of those somewhere. So don't oh, invest yeah. in Cheetah Man <laughs> No, <too>. no. <laughs> Even if you're a dentist. One day that's going to turn off. That is a fool's folly. Um, something I want to add to the Mario 64 thing is, I, I forget the exact number, but I believe it was 24 shrink-wrapped copies of Mario 64 sold on eBay in 2020. Mm. So it's not yeah. a rare thing to find. And that's not the player's choice version. We discounted those. So this game that just sold for 1.5 million or whatever, like double digits sold on eBay just last year in shrink wrap form. So it's not a hard game to find in the shrink. I, I, and that's why I think it's a concentrated effort. So, so when do you think that we'll see like the next, if, if it is a concentrated effort, when is the next step? What is it like the next heritage auction? Another one just magically shows up and they see what happens or, or what, what, what's, the, what's their game? I don't know. I don't know how to have money. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I have no idea how to have money. Um, You're learning. I, I would imagine it's, yeah, why not? Right. One in auction. Um, yeah, I, I always yeah. thought, yeah, like that, that makes a ton of sense. Or like, I just thought like, oh, is it just like crypto weirdos that just don't know what money is anymore? And there's like, I, this is my favorite video game when I was a kid, because that's when I started playing games. And so, yeah, I've got 9 million in butt coin, you know, whatever. And so <laughs> I'm just going to dump it into this because I don't know there, you know, Man. Logan Paul's going to wear it around his neck at a boxing pay-per-view or something, you know? <laughs> I don't want to discount that theory either. I think that's a valid one as well. There are a lot of new people who are now investing in collectible video games, and and a lot of them are probably pretty dumb. I'm trying to think about which ones to sell right now because I need money, and uh, I want to... Frank, that's why I was talking about... I gave you a, a Qbert yeah, good uh, luck, prototype man. Game Boy. <laughs> and like, good luck just... finding anything in our uncatalogued collection, my friend. Oh, I'll find it. I'll find it. It's in there somewhere. I think all my stuff. Was Don't in one donate box. things to a charity that you're going to take back and sell. That's usually, I, usually, I wouldn't do it, but uh, there's extenuating circumstances. What's my sealed copy of Yoshi's Cookie for the NES worth? What can I, you know, is that like two million then? Because it's older, and you, everyone, everyone loves Yoshi, right? Mm. Well, don't you have like Magical Yoshi. Chase? Yes, I do. Yes, I also. Hey, have set, a, I, I do have a sealed Magical Chase. So. <laughs> Uh, uh, I just yeah. need to get all this stuff graded, and then uh, I will happily bilk these suckers. I'm going to get Shantae for the Game Boy Color graded because, again, need money and uh, need that more than I need Shantae for the Game Boy Color. It's not sealed, but uh, it is complete, so that's yeah. something. Yeah, I was going through my friend's uh, PS Vita collection the other day, uh, helping him organize, and we found this really awful anime tie-in game that's apparently worth thousands of dollars in the state that it's in. Wow. Uh, yeah. The one I'm holding on to, uh, I have a 
a an EEPROM board prototype uh, Famicom uh, for the original Super Mario Brothers. Oh, oh nice. Ooh. So that's... Now that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, but also collectors are uh, extremely xenophobic when it comes to video games. So even though this is the earliest copy of Super Mario Brothers known to man, it's the Japanese version. So I don't I don't want it. <laughs> is, it is it notably different from, from retail? No, it's, is the it fi- actually- it's the final ROM on there. Okay. But, it, but it's a pre-production, you know, board. Cool. Yeah, just buy just buy a gray shell, and then they'll they'll be like, oh, but really, it was actually a U.S. game. <laughs> the whole That's time. All you need to do. <laughs> uh, so, Jeff, I would like to talk a little bit about Giant Bomb, specifically the part of it that's most interesting to me. The giant part. Mm-hmm. Uh, the component where you decided to become a wiki for video games. Yes. How did that happen? How do you do that? And how is that going? Oh gosh. Well, so when uh, when I was looking to what I was going to do next back in 07. Uh, the people I ended up talking to the most were running a site called Comic Vine at the time. I know Comic Vine. Yeah, so Comic Vine already had a wiki. Is the, the short version is Comic Vine already had a wiki. And we were like, what if we did a video game wiki? And my first thing was just like, yeah, actually, like if we did that right, and then you could really research like, What's the first game to have a double jump in it? What's the first game to do this? You know, we could do, you know, at the time I was like, we could do credits better than Moby does because like they, it's, they had at the time very weird rules about who could contribute. And we would hear from a lot of devs that were like really frustrated. He's like, I tried to submit proof that I worked on this game to Moby and they rejected us. There's got to be a better way. And I was like, well, you know, maybe we could do something like that. And so we adapted the Comic Vine wiki um, and, and brought it into video game form. And it was super fun. It's just, you know, being able to fill all that stuff out and, and try to trace back like, OK, what happened when and, and, and who was first and trying to match all these release dates to these concepts and all this stuff has been rad. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's it's how is it going? It's not it's not going at it is not what we are known for primarily. You know, no, the, it's not. No, over the years, the the podcast, the video content like that sort of stuff is is become our, our calling card and, and the wiki is still there. And. It's turns out it, it can be hard to get an engineering team who has a lot on their plate in terms of like, hey, we need to make sure the video player that does live stuff works and or, or hey, this company that owns us just got sold to another company and none of the video encoding technology is coming with us. So we have to rebuild all that. And so that all takes precedent over stuff like, hey, I'd really like it if the wiki was faster or, or this, this, these three bugs were fixed or this sort of stuff. So it's been hard to get engineering time to really do the thing with that i want it to do and like will we get there i don't know but i want to keep plugging away at it for as long as i can i am probably in like the one percent of giant bomb users who most of the time i go to the site is to see if anything cool is on the wiki yeah i do so uh, i do that (laughs) all right uh join me there it makes me feel bad we killed the insert credit wiki in like 2006 or seven mm-hmm. ourselves because we had mm-hmm. uh, we had a lot of that like what is the first double jump or like what is the first reference to like a soft drink or whatever we just had all that kind of nonsense in there and uh, yeah we just uh, let it fritter away as we do yeah that's how it goes see i always wanted stuff like uh you know and it's even even licensed stuff like what's the first example of this type of car in right. a game what's the you know like like down to like make and model or even year yeah I love that stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I love to be able to just, like, draw those kinds of comparisons. Like, okay, well, how did that happen? Why, you know, and, and, and ideally, that wiki could be used to launch into just like, okay, we're going to research this and try to figure out how this happened. Or w- when did the devs hear about this? And 
how did these now common game concepts get evolve. started and, and and how do they evolve exactly um like that was that's that's always the dream that's that's still the dream but uh but I'd, I'd be lying if i didn't say that you know like aspects of it have definitely fallen into a state of disrepair and it, it really it bums me out but yeah uh, i i want to get there have you ever been able to use the giant bomb wiki as a research tool do you know anyone who's uh uh managed to use whatever's been assembled for those arcane purposes it definitely helps us in certain situations like mid podcast or something to be like okay wait but honestly it's usually like release date checks it's like when did when did this come out compared to when when this came out is usually the, yeah. the thing you want fast in the middle of recording something um so it's it's usually been stuff like that so in terms of just like yeah i that's mean that's just on moby games though in it uh yes i mean yes obviously yes moby moby has release dates as well wikipedia and honestly the other thing you do is you google it and then wikipedia comes up first because it's wikipedia right and so even even moby i think gets uh gets kind of chewed up in in certain aspects there i used it when i was trying to um i was trying to research what was the first fully 3d real-time strategy game because Mm. i believed that i had found one that predated all others and that it was a obscure saturn game of all things not on the pc and uh my research from looking at giant bomb and a bunch of other sources was that yes this was the first fully 3d real-time strategy game called huh. pup breeder on saturn <laughs> and uh there were earlier games that had uh 3d units but 2d backgrounds or 3d backgrounds in 2d units but none with both um before this so hmm. very odd but there it is. So I used it for that. Uh, I was also using it when I was trying to track the development of the twin stick shooter using controllers. Ah, and right. Was handy for that as well. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, what ends up being the first game that do that? Right? Is I mean, I think of like something like a Super Smash TV because the SNES controller is one of the first to have like a good fake two stick sort of setup. But right. well, we'll never know. Well, We'll never know. Yeah. I just want to say that very rarely, but it does happen when I'm stuck for topics, sometimes I'll uh, thumb through the concepts tab on Giant Bomb and think, oh, maybe I want to know. So that's been very helpful to me as the person who writes this show. Next, we're going to do a uh, game design segment. Uh, Design a video game about phone freaking in the 20th century. Mm. Okay. It's a stealth game. What's phone freaking? Okay. Okay. Oh, you don't know phone freaking? So uh, think about dial tones, right? Um, and how, you know, when you, when you pressed like three, it made a specific tone. Oh, yes. Um, phone freaking was basically, I think, modifying whistles to make tones that would get you free calls on payphones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, no, this isn't right, but it's leading in the direction. Um, like the Thompson Twins putting, the, or I think it was Thompson Twins, putting a, a game on their uh, record that you had to record to cassette and then you could play on the spectrum. That's that's like okay. No, that's wait, just no, binary that, that, data. Yeah, it's like <laughs> yeah. It, that's that's yeah. a similar type of weird, but uh, yeah, no, you could use it to you know you, there were certain tones you could blow into a phone to uh, get access to a company's like voicemail service, and so freakers would set up their own bootleg voicemail boxes, or they would blow, like hack their way into different party lines. Uh, what we did was more of a stealth operation of like you kind of recreate the lineman's handset the thing that a, a phone guy is going to have on his belt is just alligator clips with a phone attached like a phone receiver attached to it and you could crack open uh, you one could crack open uh, <laughs> a phone can in front of an apartment complex that is just full of wiring and and places for you to clip your alligator clips onto 
and then suddenly you were on someone's phone line. If they were on the phone, you could scream at them and really freak them out. If they were not on the phone, you could make a bunch of phone calls. You could bring a laptop out there and an acoustic coupler and Velcro those two things together and, and you know, call up a BBS and say, you'll never believe where I am, and then disconnect because you were too afraid to do anything more bold than that. Um, so I think it's a stealth game. I think it's like you're physically on site at a location trying to gain access to a specific phone number. Uh, and, and so you are you are dodging guards and, and all that sort of stuff. And then eventually trying to clip your way onto a very specific phone line, making sure you're hitting the right tones to get to the trunk or whatever you need to do and, and all that sort of stuff. So it's in your kind of hacking minigame plus stealth minigame. Now that I say all that out loud, that sounds like a very boring video game. But that's my first thought. Uh, I got an addition to it here. We can add some her story kind of element where mm. you are through this journey, you are coming across snippets of a conspiracy sort of a conversation that's going on. You don't have all the information. Oh. Okay. okay. As you're like trying to phone freak for whatever other reasons that you're doing it, you start to hear, oh, wow, there's actually something going on here that I should pay attention to. And then, but you know, the cops, you can't tell the cops because you're doing it illegally and uh but you feel compelled to do this yourself maybe your family's involved or something like that. Mm. okay um that's good and i'm gonna add something uh there was a comic book uh mostly in the 80s that that i i loved a lot and, and i think brandon did as well called flaming carrot comics mm -hmm. um oh yeah and there was a flaming carrot story that semi-parodied phone freaking in that um, someone I think was cooking oatmeal or something and they had a Captain Crunch uh, plastic whistle around their neck and uh, it melted in a very particular way with the steam coming from their pot and they blew into it and the specific tone uh, that came out didn't cause them to uh, be able to phone freak but it, it opened a portal to the monster dimension. <laughs> so uh, if we could get that in here as well, I think it'd make a much more interesting game because just yeah. concept, you know, is is sound right for the phone freaking part, but there's not a lot of a lot of action here other sure. than avoiding guards. And if we can get the monster dimension, not a lot of portals. We need more portals. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so you end up with like a persona style thing of like there's the ah. the real world, and then you are freaking your way into these portals. Now we're getting where you must somewhere. do battle, and then you have to okay. make friends along the way. And the yeah. conspiracy can be about uh, the people that are trying to open this portal and you're trying to keep it closed, maybe. Yeah. Are some of the monsters alligators and you get clips by killing them? Yes, if you, yes, absolutely. You're, okay. you're getting more alligator clips so you can clip onto more lines at once and then record more snippets of dialogue. So it's like a night trap aspect where it's all happening in real time. All the phone mm -hmm. calls are happening in real time. So you have to be clipped onto the right line at the right time to hear the password to get into the next part or else you're just screwed mm. so it's bad game design as well yeah no exactly yeah no, i'm not here <laughs> yeah. to make good video. If, I, if i could make good video games i'd be off doing that right yeah me too if we knew how to make money in video games we'd just be doing that exactly as we've established here it's not much more effort to make a good video game than a bad video game it's all the no. same amount of <laughs> horrible grueling effort I choose yeah. bad because let's make it, let's at least do something interesting. Okay. Exactly. The, the prompt wasn't make money. It was make a game. No, so. yeah. that's true. You got me there. And I'm going to have to ruminate on that as we take a short break. I love a break. 
I just watched an episode of the Larry Sanders show where he forgot to go to the bathroom before the show, and the whole thing was kind of a waking nightmare. And I was like, well, good thing we have this break right here. When I was in a band, sometimes I would deliberately not go to the bathroom so that I could bring a different energy stage. Oh. oh. There was an anger associated with it. <laughs> you played 1.2 times that. Yes. Welcome back to Insert Credit. We're here with Jeff Gersman. It's time to dive headfirst into the dirt bag. Uh, every week, we pull one question submitted by our generous patrons at patreon.com slash insert credit, where you can get access to that form where you can submit questions like these. Uh, you could also get access to the episodes we release one day early. One day early. One day early. Wow. And <laughs> we should have our guests do that. Wow, one day early. <laughs> one yeah, day early, good. Jeff. It's hard to believe. Uh, you can also get access to exclusive bonus content. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about our donors at the end of the show. But right now, uh, this week's question comes from Corey, who asks, the year is 2050. What is generally agreed upon to be the most ridiculous about the state of gaming in 2021? That it still exists. <laughs> we're in 2050 and we're thinking about... Yeah, how crazy was 2021? Things that were ridiculous way back in 2021. Oh, I, I misunderstood in the same way. So, oh, okay. okay. All right. Um, that people used to play games on televisions with controllers. Man, oh, I hope yeah. That's not ridiculous. I want to keep back doing to the that. future. So. Yeah. I'm, get, I'm, I'm mm. keeping my CRT all the way till 2050. The CRT will be in your head by then, man. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Can you believe people didn't play video games on their lenses? Weird. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, maybe it would be like any physical interaction with anything because the pandemic has uh, has decimated everybody and like all video games are played entirely in the mind. Um, People will uncover like a, a an old print out of a web page or something that uses the words couch co-op and they'll be like, what's a couch? Yeah, yeah. the fact that there were stores you went to to buy video games that yeah. were kind of at the end of that. I'm going to be bold here. In 2050, we'll look back at 2020 and be like, Man, people like bought machines where the only function was playing video games. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, you're predicting dire things for Nintendo. I still, I still think it's weird that that happens now. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. by 2050, it's gonna be weird. I think maybe I like it. It's like that's all they did. It was, it was just a, it's a box that plays video games. I like. It's it. Like, well, no, this one would also run uh, Netflix. So. <laughs> And there were three of them instead of all of us just playing on Facebook or whatever. And now we all live in Netflix housing, so. Yeah. Oh, God. There were, yeah, we'll look back and go like, wait, there was more than one video game? It wasn't yeah, just exactly. the metaverse? Right. Yeah. God, yeah. It's just Roblox. Yeah. I hate the future. Yeah. The future Yeah, this sounds bad. Let's get it out of here. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, we got to spend like three minutes. It would be really nice if we could look back on 2021 and be like, remember all that? like gender disparity and and racial injustice we had in the game industry thank goodness we got rid of that oh that'd be nice yeah. we traded that in for being on fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lateral move yes hmm. um people are going to be like i can't believe that the turbo graphics was not the most popular <laughs> 
console in the world in 2020 the way it is now in 2020. Right. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, Kanye West was eventually able to wriggle the rights of for the TurboGrafx name uh, away from the rights holders and make his album happen. And that brought us all to the platform. Finally, people can truly understand yeah. uh, Bloody Wolf as it was originally meant to be played. And then Kanye immediately disappeared into the wilderness and uh, never touched politics again also. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine video yeah. games before the Kanye box. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, you know, Konami's just one really bad quarter away from this, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what does a good quarter of Konami look like if they're waiting on the bad quarters? Um, it's been a few months since we've talked about pinball. What mm. game design principles go into making a really satisfying pinball table? Did y'all hear that the that pinball museum in um, down south California is closing yeah. down forever? Yeah, yeah. That's a sadness. I didn't get to go. A couple of my friends went multiple times. Yeah, museums that depend on ticket sales not a not a great idea yeah. in my experience. Hmm. For me personally, uh, a, a really good design is giving me a narrative that makes me feel a sense of progression. Um, so for example, yeah. in something like Funhouse is is maybe my favorite, but I don't play pinball that much. So I'm sure there's mm. been a lot of better stuff since then. Um, you know, the, the progression there was progressing the clock to the point where the theme park you were in closes and then you're playing now at night until you wake the dummy up and start the day over. And like this feeling of actually pushing something forward is is what keeps me playing. Um, even though I know, you know, it's not like a great story or whatever, but but it, it motivates me to keep going and knowing that I'm not just getting points. I'm 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 moving something forward. Yeah, I mean, like a good story in a pinball game or, you know, story is a weird, weird way to look at it. But right, yeah, right, right. Like, 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 and also a, a pinball machine with a day night cycle. Sure. Mm -hmm. right. Why not? I like that stuff uh, in the way that it also shows off like different mechanical curious techniques like doing different things with the ball the ball is now jumping rope or the ball is now you're launching it into the stomach of a of a brawler to try to knock him over how did they do that kind of mechanical things or like it'll get held in place with a magnet whatever i also yeah. enjoy I, I think that for for people that really play a lot of pinball it's got to be the scoring mechanics to be able to get that high score but for me personally i like to see all the dumb little LCD screen animations, mm. especially when it's done with actually not LCDs, but with with just LEDs and they're animating stuff with that. I don't know. It fascinates me, especially because I have so little time to pay attention to it. So whenever I look at it, I'm like, whoa, look at that. They're doing like a Hadouken up there. That's wild. And then I have to come down and look at the ball again. But I love those little things. So, uh, yeah, put put that in there for me. Yeah, like a good video mode where it's like you you would get to look up there for a while and it's like, now I'm playing pinball on this tiny screen. That's yeah. crazy. I'm not a I'm not a big Family Guy fan, but the Family Guy machine with its like, here's a tinier pinball machine inside of the pinball machine, I thought was a pretty awesome little gimmick. That's cute. Yeah, yeah, so it's like stuff that's just like, oh, here's a weird thing. Uh, like Brandon was saying, you know, like, like, hey, here's, you know, your jumping rope or weird magnet tricks, but like things that bring real pinball closer to video pinball where they can just get completely crazy with it. I think that's always super exciting. Yeah. Although I will say that those full on video pinball machines just don't work for me at all. The ones that. Yeah, no, that's the yeah. same. Some sort of uh, in between there. Like you need the physical tactile feeling of the ball going around. You need it to occasionally be able to get stuck on something stupid and um, enrage you. Mm -hmm. 
but to have have some sort of video screen element is 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 cool and it, it it makes it feel like it's between two worlds somehow i like great audio also i think just like oh, that yeah. that really helps you know because you're you're shooting a ball around but like if they can help tell the story with just a bunch of amazing sound samples and Centaur. and music and alarms and stuff yeah or like a, like f14 tomcat just all the top gun jet talk and all that crap is is like it goes a long way or all the all the cop talk in high speed when they're just like ah oh, 504 he got away like all that sort of stuff like <laughs> yeah. really goes a long way for me there's something about repetition of stupid dialogue that really yep. appeals to me yep where because <laughs> you know i'll just those kinds of things will just pop into my head forever from a a video game like uh i'd like to have another maybe i'll have another uh from Sh shenmue uh, <laughs> the lethal weapon pinball machine is great for this like the, like just just tiny little joe pesci snippets oh right yeah yeah there's uh, a pinball machine design that i really like uh that i can't think of another machine that does it except for this one uh which i think you've played at least brandon the pinball circus probably it's at the Pinball Hall of Fame. It's a prototype. There's literally one of them. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. Got, does it have a carousel in it? It doesn't have a carousel, but but the idea is, you know, it's a three-ring circus, and the design is basically like you're playing a pinball game, but it's, it's a series of really difficult shots that literally, like, you move up a vertical machine with. So, like, your first challenge oh, is wow. to, like, get on this really hard ramp, um, and once you do, you're you're now picked up by pinbo the elephant uh the mechanical elephant That's a good that, like, name moves you moves the trunk up to this really hard like mini pinball machine that you're like you know nine times out of ten it's just going to sink and start over but if you get up again you get to the next vertical section and finally you end at the top with a giant clown's face where you got to knock its teeth out and like that's the reward is that like you get to the top and knock a clown's teeth out finally yeah clown violence <laughs> But it's a good design because, like, you are trying to make your way to the top of this tower that's, like, physical and literal in front of you. Bonsai Run kind of has, the, the, it's like something similar where it's a motorcycle-themed, like a dirt bike-themed pinball table, but it has shots in the back glass. So you'll get the ball back there and then yeah, have to yeah, make yeah. some shots up there to, like, jump off a ramp or jump off a cliff or something. And, and... Okay, we're at time. We got to move on. All right. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling my Bonsai Run story whether you like it or not. Uh, back when the Wii first launched, a lot of people were turned off by a burgeoning genre generally dubbed casual games. Uh, Fifteen years later, were people right that casual games were the future? Are they the past? Were they good? Were they bad? Or were they something else? I think we just don't call them that anymore because, like, phone games are, you know, we don't call them casual games, but they are meant to appeal to a wider audience, and they certainly have succeeded in doing it. I think the the games that were most upsetting were less the games on the Wii except for like the super half-hearted ones where it was just like yeah. twist this controller around nothing happens. Uh but it was more like Facebook games where it was all about clicking and engagement and looping like hoodwinking your friends into it so that you could get more gold or whatever like that I think that was the real terror and that has persisted to a degree with like gotcha games in uh phone games but like i don't think we've ever gotten as gross as those facebook games where you would receive these requests from people to sign up for this 
potentially scammy predatory service and, and people would like resent each other if they wouldn't sign up for it and stuff but even gotcha games don't quite have that yeah they're definitely like i you know i feel like aspects of that of egging other players on have worked their way into different mobile games like i play i, I play as a, i play tap titans 2 which is an idle game on mobile and it has a clan system where you can get 50 players together and all tap yeah. it basically it has raids so you're all tapping at the same time or, or over the course of a 12-hour raid or something and it becomes this situation of just like well you got to make sure you build your deck right and if you're not doing your raids like like some people get super serious about it's an idle game like you're just tapping on stuff but people take that super seriously and and it like kind of ruins the game in, in some way it's not quite hey sign up for this service which tiktok has one of those there's like they did like a promotion where they're like oh if you if you grow a garden we'll donate food uh to a, a charity or, or or donate money to a, a hunger related charity and it has all those weird old facebook hooks that you never see anymore of like invite a friend to water your crops like it's literally the oh, same yeah. thing it's just like been fascinated by tiktok lately so i've been just like messing around with it a little bit and and that stuff just feels like super old school grimy in a way that i did not expect to see ever again because everyone's gotten so much more slick about how they handle their engagement and and get you to dupe your friends into engaging as well and and all that it's just it was weird to see it as as just laid out bare like that again yeah it's hard to believe that we're going through that kind of social media life cycle does that just naturally crop up once a uh, service gets to a certain point apparently <laughs> it seems it seems to be happening yeah the old view of casual games i think i think has lost its edge in terms of the capital g gamer being mad at it because like i think those gamers are now playing uh whatever the current version of clash royale or similar is like they're they're playing these casual games themselves now like they'll play some bejeweled or some candy crush or some whatever like those are ancient examples but it's just taken a different place in people's lives like uh you you play these kind of simpler more popcornish games during your your idle moments and then you play more serious games when you have time to do it yeah i, I know a, a ton of people who uh, you know i would consider play a, just a ton of console games and pc games and all the other stuff but also they are deep into some anime gotcha game everyone has one of like here's the anime gotcha game i'm into i got a seven star pull look at this you know like like everyone's like it seems like a lot of people just have that game now and that's where that stuff went yeah so it's not really much of an issue anymore or the the fact is that our kind of uh our perspective on it has i would say it's that. a different issue yeah you know like no one's like you know two when 2k put out game party on the wii at the time you're like this is selling like gangbusters to parents and grandparents and all this other stuff and you know, and, and people were like, oh, this is ruining gaming the same way everyone thought that Myst was ruining gaming in the 90s. Yeah. And now it's like much more widespread. No one is thinking about it ruining gaming. They think about it as a different industry. But really, it's still all people playing games. And if anything, you know, you, you wonder if, if some of those casual or casual is not the right word, but some of those mobile games, gotcha games, free to play games, if some of those are keeping players from getting deeper into the medium overall and they're like, well, I'm never going to go get into you know buying a playstation or anything because i just play this stuff and it's fine yeah but at least they're still in the ecosystem i think also yeah. we have the people that would think that casual games are bad and that we should gatekeep who can play games and how i think those people have gone off into their into their own zone of terribleness yeah. and left the rest of us to continue to work in this industry like i, I don't think we have those discussions so much in the industry anymore whether 
casual games are gonna are gonna ruin lives like for someone to say filthy casual is like that's that's like a 2006 reference at this point yeah like that's a 15 year <laughs> old uh reference joke rather than than something a real person would say yeah so past guest of the show heather campbell has joked about how publishers paid for positive press and high review scores at Play Magazine. Our very own Tim Rogers has spoken about a similar situation at Famitsu. And towards the ends of their lives, uh, EGM and 1UP Wait, they were... died? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry about this. Wow, our friend. <laughs> well, near the end, they were openly blacklisted by Ubisoft after Crispin Boyer gave Assassin's Creed a 4.5 out of 10. Video game magazines as a whole are pretty much dead now, as Frank can attest. But in general, has I just this... got an, uh, the new issue of uh, of Amiga Addict in the mail today? So uh, <laughs> okay, so I as long as as long as magazines can thrive on like fifty subscribers, they're alive, baby. I guess in terms of those fringe magazines, but also other forms of uh, video game analysis, has that situation gotten any better, or is it still the same old business? I think it's all shifted. I mean, you know, it's it's happening way more in the open now because I guess to be clear, like that's never happened to me. Like that aspect of of like, hey, pay for a review. Like I've never I've never even seen the offer. Have you ever even encountered it theoretically? Right? Like I've I've, I've never heard of anyone. No, no. You know, I I heard about it through like you know some people who worked for UK magazines and saying like that over there it was really filthy and of course everyone. Like we would hear about Famitsu scores from publishers before the magazine hit because Famitsu <laughs> was telling publishers what it was getting and they were saying like, uh, what if it was higher? You know, like like you would hear, yeah, you know, secondhand stories about just how filthy Famitsu reviews really were. Uh, but in terms of like us, no, no, that that I, I never encountered that situation like a single time. But anything like that is just happening out in the open now because there's there are just people out there streaming games. There are people out there with huge audiences that that dwarf most like, you know, what we think of like traditional video game outlets. And they are just signing contracts to go like, oh, okay, y'all, I'll play this game. Yes, I won't say anything bad about it. Or, you know, like some streamers and, you know, I don't want to paint a too broad a picture here, but like some of them will certainly work out something in their contract where they can say whatever they want and some of them don't do that. And so you end up in these situations where you've got people that have these followings and you've got an audience that doesn't really understand how that whole system works. And they just think like, oh, well, I guess this person just really likes this game. Like, you know, I, there, I think there's a lot of people that didn't understand that a lot of the Conan O'Brien video game spots were paid for. You yeah. know, like those are ads. Anything resembling that just happens there and they just write hashtag ad on it and people just forget about it. And meanwhile, and this is where I... You know, this is the axe grindy part of me talking about this topic is like, meanwhile, you've still got like crazy people on the Internet that are just like, you got paid for to give that game a negative review to like people in the traditional press. It's like, that's <laughs> that's not who's paying for that. Could. Yeah, exactly. Who's paying <laughs> yeah. for that? Nintendo paid you to give that negative that first party Sony game that like just nonsense, like people are out of their damn minds. But like the, the idea that like the quote unquote press is still like influential enough to be worth that type of behavior when you've got all these people out there with these crazy audiences that are like just taking it all in in a very non-critical way like that machine is just completely oiled completely differently i mean now you know publishers all have their own internal editorial departments their own blogs all this other stuff like at some point they said well let's just cut the press out of the preview end of the cycle too 
and we'll just interview ourselves and we'll put those videos out. Here's me talking about the crew too, a game I made. It's great. You should buy it. You know, like, like that. Yeah. It's very, it's very different in, in that sense. Yeah. I mean, you can just buy a person now, essentially with the, uh, yeah. with the streamer thing. It's just like, uh, this, this is the person that talks about my game now. I, per- I, I own them. Yeah. Like, or this person play, plays a game that is competitive to the one I'm about to release. So I am going to pay them to play it for three weeks right. straight and say how great it is. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, from, from their perspective, it does make sense to do it. Uh, totally. the, the closest experience that I've had to this, I may have mentioned this on the show before I forget. But um, we used to do advertorials on Game Developer Magazine. I didn't like them, but we needed to get revenue. And it was basically an article about, you know, Unreal Engine or whatever, written by someone from there that is like, here's some things you can do with Unreal Engine. And we would put advertorial, and we put a a border around it that said it was an ad. We would style it differently from the rest of the magazine intentionally, Mm -hmm. like it couldn't be styled the same way. And then I was in the uk and i picked up a copy of develop magazine and uh there was the very same advertorial run as a column just a regular wow. column. obviously still paid for but just like we we got mark rain to talk about unreal in the magazine <laughs> like, oh wow so uh yeah that's that that was my experience with that's that unbelievable <laughs> what a get yeah. <laughs> we got jay allard talking about the zune <laughs> and I bikes. don't want to talk again about uh, forwarding bad Gama Sutra pitches to uh, British counterparts, but uh, we did that. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> they they ran mean, them every time. Yeah, it's like this isn't good enough for us, but uh... Uh, maybe you want to try it. Uh, so the answer is that it has changed and it's gotten worse. Yes. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no one has any independent power anymore. Yeah. Power's all with the money now. Yeah. Sure. I understand that. I'd like a little money someday. Just a taste. This is the point of the show where I ask about the blank of video game. Mm. This all harkens back to the old saw of what is the Citizen Kane of video games. But now that that is settled law, we're trying to figure out what all the other cultural touchstones of video games are. So this week I'm asking you, what is the Francisco Goya's Saturn devouring his son of video game? <laughs> Oh, God, I saw someone do a tweet of this a while ago, and I was just so upset that I didn't think of it myself. It was just a Sega Saturn, and someone had shoved a Dreamcast into the lid. <laughs> and it was like, I was like, how did, how did anyone not me think of this? It's so upsetting. <laughs> it's really, I was like disappointed in myself. It's so stupid to be annoyed at yourself for like not thinking of a stupid idiot meme. <laughs> But like, oh, I've been there. Come on. Yeah. Come on, me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so I, I have the painting up. I, I, I know what it looks like. I don't. So typically when we do this exercise, it's like, well, what what are the features of this thing that make it the right to make it it? Uh, I, I have no never seen this painting before this moment, so I don't know. Oh, man. Same here. It rules. It's a very famous painting. Okay. It's famous. Yeah. I learned about it in high I school. I don't know about paintings because I play video games. That's right. They're like paintings that move, okay? Like, that's like a, every frame is a painting. Excuse mm-hmm. me for trying to inject a little bit of culture into this program. What this depicts is one of the Titans uh, who is afraid that his child will overthrow him eventually, and so is eating him while he's still weak. But he's already dead, so, like, that's the, the head's gone. Well, I mean... So he's still eating. 
I think he's he's just torn the head off is what it, okay. this, it, this is the act of and it could be. Yeah, I guess he's still eating after after killing. So. So is this then is is it Sega of Japan biting the head off Tom Kalinsky? <laughs> like, is that yeah, is that fit here? That's pretty good. Yeah. The 32X or something. Yeah, the thirty-two X eating a Saturn is that the 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 flip on this? I th- um, yeah, I think the important component is that he's devouring his son so that one day his son will not overthrow him. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I wonder. It's probably that uh, Crusader Kings game or something. I'm I'm sure that happens in there all the time where they're just like this progeny is getting too uppity. I got to take him down uh, yeah. before they kill me. But I guess that's just that's one facet of that game, so it doesn't really. I think Jeff had it. I think I think I think it's a Japanese company eating its US division. I don't know which one. Yeah, it could I mean pick one. It could be yeah. several. Yeah. yeah. Um, it could actually be Sony because they changed to like worldwide studios because uh the like the US division obviously PlayStation sells much better in the West mm-hmm. than it does in Japan. And so perhaps in order to regain control and not be a western led organization entirely, they they became a the worldwide studios. Although I guess that is run by a Western person. So maybe that actually is wrong completely. Maybe the opposite mm. thing already happened. I don't know. Anytime I've worked with the U.S. division of a Japanese publisher, we have had something close to signing that would kill, and then Japan just says nah, and that's it. So ah. I mean, Capcom's really good at that. They yep. they love oh yeah, Capcom great at that. loves that. Uh, Sega, so, uh, Sega is tremendous yeah. uh, still for a lot of this stuff. I guess we could just generally say uh, Japanese companies' relation with their American division. Yeah, I don't think there's one particularly. It's just it's it's industry wide. So yeah, it's, it's, and it's not the countries eating. You know, it's not Japan no, eating yeah. the U.S. But it's, it's a Japanese yeah. guy in a suit eating. I don't know, Guy Fieri or something. I think yeah, Uncle some, Sam, some, some Caucasian dude in a loud <laughs> shirt who's like, hey, and he's got a big necklace. <laughs> chain thing with his uh, and there's like a salary man who's really scared eating his head yeah yeah Yeah. just like no we will continue to do it the way we've done it for the last 40 years we will not make money he's wearing a black t-shirt with master chief's helmet (laughs) (laughs) okay i think we've settled that which means it's time to go on to the lightning round uh this week we're playing a new game that i call who is this for i'm going to name a video game and you have to vividly describe the kind of person who would consider that their favorite game we will begin with castlevania lords of shadow people who never played any of the other ones is that the like ps2 game no that's the like edgy remake okay yeah 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 yes xbox 360 style um not not as good not as castlevania so who is it for i think it is specifically for spanish people people in spain because Mercury Steam was the first kind of Western developer to prominently get complete control over a beloved Japanese property. And so it's like a point of cultural pride to ah. anyone in Spain to be like, no, actually, it's good because, you know, we, I, I, I know the guy who worked on it. Like if you're if you're applying to be a citizen in, in of Spain, they ask sure. you questions about Lords of Shadow. They want to make sure that you know. <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is kind of a counter argument to the the painting we just described. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dear Esther. It's for people uh, named Esther. 
yeah. it is for um, uh, college freshmen specifically. Oh, that's good. Oh, Who yeah. love to write letters. They're always like, we need to. I need to have more pen pals. No actual letters. It needs to mean something. Look at my pen. And they they definitely are taking like their first uh, philosophy class. <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda. No one. <laughs> Someone must like this game. People who have very short memories and love bugs. <laughs> um, it is for people who like read all the Mass Effect like novels and comics and stuff. That's true. Yeah. Uh, shareholders. It's for is shareholders a valid. <laughs> yeah, that's probably who. Uh, Knuckles Chaotix. Oh, it's for me. I love that game. <laughs> the game rules. <laughs> uh, it's it's specifically for here's what I would say it's for it's for um, couples who do not frustrate each couples. other. <laughs> Knuckles <laughs> Chaotix is for lover. Sonic for couples, aka Knuckles Chaotix. It's, uh, it's gotta be for, for 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 couples who don't drive each other insane when they have a minor disagreement because it's a real relationship tester because it's so it's so springy and you're both controlling a different character and you can wind up playing yourself across the screen. So if you're really trying to succeed, it can be frustrating. But if you're trying to have a a fun time and hang out with each other, then it's it's really excellent. So I like that answer. Shin Megami Tensei 4. Well, that's for everybody. Game rules. But the who end. is the person who would say it's their favorite game? Uh, it might be me oh, again. Yeah, that's <laughs> Leather Jack. All right, okay. Uh, it's a game for people that love weird stuff and monsters and uh, Japanese things. They like talking it out. They're like, we could fight, but like, seriously, yeah. what if we just yeah. talked about this? Yeah, I think it's I like me. that. It's you again. Uh, Mario Party 2. Like like just sadists, sad, like masochists and sadists, depending on who suggests the game versus who is roped into playing it. Yeah, so it's an S&M thing. Yeah, it's right. actually yeah, definitely an S&M thing. Mm-hmm. It's Mario for all the couples the not cowboy. playing Knuckles Chaotix. Right. right, yeah, you're you're either a, a Knuckles Chaotix couple or a Mario Party 2 couple. There's no, <laughs> Middle there's no other option. Uh, Ape Escape 3. For people that can't find their apes. Uh, yeah. Third time. Uh, hula hoop aficionados. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, that's it. Yeah, yeah. that's got to be it. Telltale's Minecraft story mode. Five-year-olds. Yeah, parents of five-year-olds who yes. think this is the thinking child's Minecraft because it's mm. got words. They yeah. learn values. Yes. Yeah. Frank, I'm noticing your strategy of holding back so that uh, you don't accidentally win the episode. Yeah, you notice that, huh? It's pretty good. Uh, your next game is Space Ace. It's okay. It's people who like really hate Disney movies. Yeah. And so they <laughs> pretend that the ones that aren't made by Disney are great. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's kind of like Brandon with anything that's not Nintendo. Nintendo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that makes sense. <laughs> well, I was kind of thinking, I guess it's basically the same person I'm about to describe. But you know the people that were really into that lady from Cool World? And yeah, also, like, Hollywood. Yeah. 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 Well, Hollywood if and, she could. So. Mm-hmm. Right. That is That's true. the joke that they would. We've all seen the poster. We all know. Make that and like Jessica Rabbit. So they're, they're people that aren't furries, but they're like whatever that is for cartoons. Oh, they're like Toonies. Yeah. yeah. yeah toonies. I was going to say like whatever, like, you know, like not anime perverts, but like yeah. Western cartoon perverts. People yeah. who have posters of Jessica Rabbit. Someone who's yep. really angry about the Lola bunny redesign. <laughs> Well, that's yeah. a furry. Well, that's saying furries. It's not a furry. Oh, okay. No, yeah. uh, actually, I've spoken to some furries about Lola Bunny. Lola Bunny is not for furry. Really? Yeah. Uh, if you're a real furry, you're not a Lola Bunny fan. But that's, like that's, Babs that's Bunny way too is, vanilla, right? Like like Babs like Bunny the furry, is, though. Yes, but mm. 
This is confusing. Right. Yeah. We're going to need to get an expert in here on this. We're going to have to get an all furry show going on. I think... Okay. Uh, I know there's some furry members of the Insert Credit Forums. Please let us know. Yeah, please let us know whether Lola Bunny is hot. Where's the line uh, on this? We need game. to know. Yeah, or hair game, you might say. Um, your last game is Super Sushi Pinball. <laughs> um, anyone who loves to learn anyone who has a thirst yeah. for knowledge uh, yeah. and a similar and equal thirst for pinball yeah or That's at least got... like wouldn't mind some pinball yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, i could do with some pinball i guess i'd love to learn about sushi but i could go for a round of pinball that is our game as she has played jeff congratulations you are our winner which means i'm going to contact you at some point after the show to submit a question for next week Okay. Or rather in two weeks, because next week we're doing a very special episode to uh, celebrate the fact that we finally got 420 patrons on our uh, oh, Patreon. Oh, we did it. Yeah, we finally we did, did it. it. We got there. Uh, so next week is going to be all about that and look forward to it. I don't know how it's going to be, but it's going to be something. Now, this is the point where if we're working on anything or we've just seen or done anything cool lately that we'd like to recommend, uh, that is the point where we do that for our audience, uh, and we can go in any order here. Usually I go first, but I've, I've once again been having a very difficult time. Uh, I've been watching a, lo a lot of things and not really liking them. So, okay, here's something I can recommend. I will recommend the first half of the movie Take Care of My Cat, which is a Korean movie that was much lauded in the early 2000s. The movie is not very good. However, if you watch the first half and if you're interested in in Korea, you get to see a lot of parts of Korea that just don't exist anymore. Um, more rundown kinds of places and yeah. indoor shopping malls of the kind of which are rapidly disappearing and just outdoor urban suburban spaces that are mostly gone and redeveloped at this point. So it's pretty neat and interesting from that perspective i like that i would also recommend the album weekend in monaco by the rippingtons if you want to hear some some excellent cheesy as heck jazz fusion uh which you probably yeah. do so mm. uh, those are my two recommendations that i get in joe i know frank recommends basements uh but what else do you have <laughs> uh i recommend stop subscribing to the blind box magazines that we order <laughs> The we Video Game History help. Foundation, because uh, <laughs> Kotaku ran a story today, and we have uh -oh. uh, 250 new orders today. Please stop. Yeah, we need time to scale up. I found a stack of EGMs in my garage that I'll, I'll, I'll get no, your uh, way. Yeah, I recommend so. please give me magazines yeah. <laughs> so right. that I can fulfill these orders. Yeah, one or the other. Yeah. Quick one, just um, Brandon was mentioning TV shows. Um, we, we got Paramount Plus because my wife really wanted to watch Perry Mason. I don't know. and. Uh, I remembered that uh, there was that Jordan Peele Twilight Zone and show, and it's pretty good. Pretty good. All right, huh. go 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 give it a watch. We're enjoying it. We're doing a nightly new Twilight Zone. They, they do a nice job with it. Nice. Well, I guess you know. I, I mean, if I you know if, I, if I'm being a responsible plugger, then I'm saying subscribe to the Giant Bombcast on a podcast service. Cancel right. your magazine subscription. Cancel your magazine subscriptions and check out websites. They're the newest, latest thing. <laughs> giantbomb.com type that into your computer wherever you type www http colon forward slash forward slash thank you uh, finally someone brave enough to say it yes bravo uh, esper <laughs> put in an applause break here 
Yeah. Um, uh, I, I think the the new Tyler the Creator album is all right. <laughs> and and if, if Frank is, is is enjoying basements, for me it's all garages. I'm in the middle of of mm. packing. I am out in my garage sifting through a lot of stuff. Are you are you moving? Uh, yes, yes. Oh, my, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. Now my my wife is uh is pregnant. We're having an, a second child here uh in a, in a few months and congratulations thank you uh this this house is not large enough for that so we're we're looking to get somewhere where we're going to have enough room for it and it provides me a good opportunity to look through all of the video game stuff in my garage and then put a bunch of it in a box and then make sure that that gets to frank somehow so it's his problem instead of mine yay and and that's been nice <laughs> to not have to think about that stuff. making things my problem it's 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 good um, we are we are in a position where we are going to actually hire a librarian in the near future. So nice, terrific. Give that theoretical person some problems. Great, yeah. It's some. I I felt bad setting some of it aside from you because I, I had to make this weird distinction of just like this is not of historical significance to anyone. But I don't know if you've seen any of this stuff. Is the stuff Steve took? Yeah, the stuff Steve yeah, took. Yeah, I haven't seen it now. So like the original offer letter I got to join GameSpot in '96 is in there. I think that's a great piece. No, that's okay. that's something that should be in an archive. Yeah, oh, that's good. It was a weird thing uh, that I I felt weird about because I'm just like, is this trying to say that I matter? Because I sure as shit don't. I wouldn't give that away, and you're 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 a good person for doing so. I mean, you you are a person of note in this industry, so yes, it is it is a good uh, item to to keep somewhere. I think it's even cool. if you weren't a person of note in the industry, it is interesting to see what an offer letter looks yeah. like in, in that time, like just abstractly. Uh, and we, we don't have those kinds of things so much. Like even anymore. if we blacked yeah. your name out, that would be an important historical document. Yeah. yeah well, it does I'll, have an address on it that you should probably black out. But um, yeah, okay. no, we're not blacking that out. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, okay. Well, so, I'll... But, but most importantly is that I bought a bunch of uh, mylar sleeves that are that are top loading that I thought would be good for magazines, but they're too thin. So I need more individual sheets to mm. put in sleeves. Great. So. Well, I've got this like Space World 2001 GameCube fact sheet set aside for you. Great. Um, and, uh, uh, and also a, a Grand Theft Auto San Andreas basketball that has never been inflated. So, Ooh, oh yeah, Jeff, if you have any maps, like video game maps, that's something that I would mm, like. Maps. Yeah. yeah, that's a good, I think the, is there a bastion map? No, that, hmm. I have a stat, I have like a bunch of cloth maps, like some, uh, for, oh, you know what? I think it's for the Ultima, the free to play yeah, Ultima game one. they did for iOS. Okay. Got that I think one, I, yeah. I think I ended up with like a hundred of those somehow. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, as you do, um, as you do. that that might be all I that might be all I have. All right. I, I occasionally like to wheedle our guests for maps, but uh, yeah. here's my recommendation. I would like to recommend that if you're listening to this show on any platform where you can subscribe to or review podcasts, that you do exactly that to keep the algorithms pushing us upwards and forwards. Uh, you could also go to patreon.com slash insert credit, where you could become a patron to submit your own topics, get our regular episodes one day early. One day early? One day early, Jeff Gerstman. Wow. <laughs> and even access monthly bonus episodes and other exclusive content. You can also join us on forums.insertcredit.com, where we'll discuss whether uh, Lola Bunny is attractive to furries. And uh, follow us on Twitter for our own personal updates and projects. The show is at Insert Credit. I'm at Alex Jaffe. Frank is at Frank Cifaldi. Brandon is at Necrosofty. And Jeff is at Jeff Gerstman. This show is edited by Esper Quinn with music by Kurt Feldman. Once more, I'm Alex Jaffe. 
I'm Frank Zafaldi. Oh, I really had to sneeze, but it didn't. It, it went away right in time. Thank God. I'm Brandon Sheffield. I don't have to sneeze. Uh, I, I'm Jeff Gersman. I don't know if I need to say that or not, but I'm going to. And your game has now been sneezed. I set this aside as well. It's a DVD for a show called National Lampoon's Gamers. What? I have not watched the show yet, but like the press release that comes with it is just like, it's, hey, we make this basically, you know, it's three people shooting it and and we get bikini girls to talk about video games. Like it is the worst shit. Wow. And it's a press release and a DVD. And I have the DVD in here somewhere Goose that I'm, I'm going to the TV show basically. Yeah. And so did that show wind up existing? I don't feel like I don't, I don't it's know. It's on IMDb. There's 10 episodes. It okay. does not have like an image. You know what I mean? There's no, yeah, poster yeah. Or anything. it seemed like it aired. Like it seemed like they were pitching it to like college television networks. I worked right. for one of those. I had a show on one of those. Okay. Yeah. So it seemed like that was the, where they were trying to, to go with it. But I found that and like, some G4 DVDs they sent out for like award shows. They're just like the full show and then clips like weird clips of the after party or, oh, or pre party or whatever it is. So you just see like yeah. industry people standing around awkwardly drinking in a, in a room. And you're like, why is this exist? This That's is exclusive content right there. 